see this guy and he's spinning this thing and it's going back and forth and it's on fire, but it's inside the, the, the cave down in this like little corner. And like, it's a fire circle and everything. I have never really seen these fire circles. I, I've been to a couple of things, but yeah. oh, whatever. <laughs> and like, he then is like using this rope dart and it's going back and forth. And he's wrapping around himself. And I'm like, whatever that is, I want to do that. I want to do that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of Long Story Short Podcast, a collection of side hustles, cool jobs, and interesting hobbies from your coffee shop regulars. Today, we have Tyler Ely with us. We're going to learn a little bit more about him and his background story, about his local growing up in, in the area, his background in the paintball scene, his moving to fire performing and festival performing, and then what he's currently up to, making some CBD salves, some THC salves, baking, things like that. Find it out a little bit more. So stay tuned for this episode of Long Story Short Podcast with Tyler Ely. So I'm sitting here with Tyler Ely, another one of my coffee shop regulars that we've gotten to know each other, I said, pretty well over since opening i would say you've been here pretty much since the start yes but all right so i know there's so many interesting things there's fire performing there's paintball there's like cbd work there's other things that i'm sure i'm i'm gonna learn today too but let's bring it all the way back are you so starting off like are you local to the belleville area did you grow up around here yes so frank scott and greenmount there used to not be Frank Scott. Greenmount was Schwagel. It used to be a dirt road. Yeah, it was it was super strange. Like, I, but I mean, that's just what I grew up with. And and seeing the the boxes that they used to have is what do you call them? mailboxes, and that was what we had compared to having an individual one at your end of your driveway. Yeah. That was no big deal. But then when sixty four kind of came through, it really did start changing everything. Like uh, being able to walk from my house, which is behind State Farm in Shiloh. Okay. Like that's yeah. where I grew up. And and going from there, walking all the way to the Cine 15 or yeah, Cine 10. No, Cine 15. Yeah. Uh, down Central Park Way and like getting in trouble because we weren't supposed to be there. But <laughs> we we lived there. So it was kind of like the cop yeah. didn't really know. And so it, it's been a very interesting watching everything blow up down to the the field that now is Deerberg's and all that madness. Yeah. So, so did you you go to high school around here too then? Yes. Be- yeah. Belleville East. Belleville East. Oh man, so many of us Belleville East people here. But I went to um, Whiteside, went to Belleville East, went to Whiteside before there was a primary wing. Went to the I new was, Whiteside. I was at Whiteside too. That was yeah, originally I I was the first class that was in the new school that they built. So a long time ago we talked about how me and a buddy man, context. Me and a buddy were talking about how like it was super funny that the eighth grade AC system got ripped off and we're like, oh, we're seventh graders. And we're like, we didn't realize that that's us. And like, then we got there and it was like, oh, hey, and it was just like, oh yeah, I guess we're kind of, oh man, eighth grade. Cause that's where I spent my eighth grade. My parents, you know, and so when did you go? I was, let's see here. So I, in, I graduated high school in 2010. What year did you graduate? Seven. 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 Oh yeah. So yeah. We were like, I think like the fifth, sixth graders that were in there and you were probably the eighth graders that oh, were moving in there, right? Yes. It's a brand new school. It was kind of kind of cool to experience that at the same time of like, no, nobody really knew what was going on. So like you could kind of get away with a lot more stuff because it was like, yes. oh, I, don't know, I don't know, this is everyone's first year here. So. Right. And like, I, I, there was so many different rooms and stuff you could go and find. And like, I've been told theories that other rooms existed in that place. And yeah. like, I, we went and checked those halls. I don't really know if there really were. There was supposed to be yeah, some like crazy a- like, padded room or something. <laughs> and I was like, what? I, I don't know about that. But I think that's how the rumors always start, though, you know, in like the buildings that nobody has like completely explored yet. Like mm. when you're when you're younger and you go to the school, like all throughout the years, basically you've heard like, oh, this this hallway is this classrooms and this hallway is this classrooms. And if you go down that way, that's where the janitors are. And like you kind of get to know that. But like with a new school, you're just like, OK, well, we don't we don't know what's down there. Like, what could it be? Oh, it's a padded room for the bad kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's just going to be rumors and like theory. And yeah, yeah totally. It's almost uh, mythology. Yeah. When you were younger, then did you start playing like paintball and everything like that do you have different hobbies other than that were you a skateboarder you'd seem like you'd be no 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 i cannot skateboard (laughs) i was i've tried see i'm Uh, judging a book by its cover right now i mean like you i've got the uh, hair yeah i get it (laughs) just missing the beanie yes oh yeah that's a good point too (laughs) but no i tried to do bikes my brother learned and then he took off with it he used to have bmx like dirt jumps in the backyard yeah we lived in essentially like a middle of nowhere 
Yeah, cornfields and everything nearby. You could just yeah. build your own dirt ramps. Yeah, hundred percent. And like we had this uh, dirt trail that or a nature trail that we'd go through, and eventually my brother built all these different jumps to it. Well, my dad, being a teacher for Rankin, was like, "Hey, I've got all this extra wood. We found all of it at work. You brought it all home, and they built this half pipe, so they were able to do a fun box and a half pipe there. Okay, and like that started his whole thing. I me, I, I I can mountain bike and you know ride my bike or whatever. That's mainly for my wife, but <laughs> being able to do anything like that now, now I, yeah. I got into hacky sack, got into soccer. I tried baseball; it was terrible. Yeah, uh, same with basketball and such, but like soccer i did a whole bunch of soccer and we we're still terrible did you great. play in like high school and stuff too or was no. it just kind of like you pick pick me up games of soccer kind of uh, no no it was a, what do you call it like a century 21 league kind of thing yeah the soccer field out in on the corner between here and millstock off 158 yeah now i'm blanking on what they call those things there's a name league, for them, but that's but not the right one yeah there's a league of some sort that they call them that i know like fire and ice is part of it and things like that but yeah so you were playing select is yeah. that what it's called, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. I think when you're not in high school and you're playing it separately, it's oh, like select. No, no, I didn't go to high. I, I tried out for eighth grade. Wow. Yeah, eighth grade uh, soccer, and I wasn't good enough because I just I wasn't very athletic and everything, even though I was from a halfback for a, a long, long time. Yeah. We never really did great. Different kind it, of athleticism, right? Yes, yes. And so, like, eventually got to a point where I, I picked up a paintball marker and, like, cause I saw it and other buddies in high school were talking about it. And I was like, okay, all right, we're sitting around study hall looking at it and being like, oh, my man, these are super cool. And so I joked about it. My parents got me one. It was a Tipman 98 custom silver with yeah. a black barrel. We put goggles on and whoever had. Well, the, thank God. Right. Like, yes. And, and whoever had the paintball marker didn't have goggles, but whoever was possibly running in this field at the moment, running all the way to go get, get shot. That was like our first experience of getting so, shot by paintball marker. So wait, that was like the whole thing of like one of us has a gun. Everybody else just scramble and I'm going to try. No, to one person just run is goes a distance and runs around while we shoot the random paintballs that we had at them. Okay. And like we originally figured out that that was probably not the best idea. So we eventually got both masks, got two of them. We didn't get another paintball marker, though. Yeah. And then I had another buddy that picked it up and was like, hey, we're going to go play on this day. And I was like, oh, OK, I'll go try and play. I realized I did no coordination. I didn't know about shooting anything. So go and shoot my bunny in a cornfield. Now, yeah. no, no real experience to it. Funny thing on my end, I. I owned a paintball gun. I've never used a paintball gun. I think I got it in a barter or something somehow in like high school. I don't remember what it was like, you know, you high school kids, you're trading like weird things. And I remember having like a like bright blue paintball gun mm. and everything, but like never using it, never knowing how to use it, anything like that. It's it's just sat at my house for some reason. And I was like, oh, one day I'm going to figure this out. I think I was like too scared to get shot by a paintball. I'm like, everyone wants to do the shooting. No one wants to get shot. <laughs> like, Quite. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so like I was like, I don't think I ever actually picked it up. But like, I mean, how do you like get in? You you said you guys were it was just like start off with one gun and then a few of you guys got some like was it just like the group that you were hanging out with in high school or so like... the, the the original people i was playing i was shooting people i guess eventually changed and then i had two buddies that were talking about it and I'm, we're looking through action pursuit games and uh there's another one there's magazine paintball magazines mm -hmm. we're looking through them and we're looking at all the different cool stuff what they're doing the is what you see on like television or, or on youtube and such where it's like everyone's shooting those crazy paintball markers. They're all snapping at the air bunkers and stuff. And like, yeah. We were super hyped about it. Well, when we're looking at them, we were you know, kids in high school. We didn't really have money. But when you go about trading. So like when guns are trading, paintball markers, and super people are excited about this one or that one. Yeah. Uh, I, what was it? Two people have ended up trading multiple guns for just one gun. And like that whole idea of being like, oh, I got this. Buddy of mine, Nate Vocal, ended up getting this, what do you call it? A, a carnivore. This really, really fancy WGP autococker okay. and it was something that everyone was sought after it was super cool it shot a lot shot very fast <laughs> and it eventually had a point where we were at wacky warriors playing because yeah. i had a, i had my tipman i had just got another paintball marker and i didn't know how to un how to figure it out it was in pieces i got it for like a kind of a trade i traded pants and i got gloves and instead of trading for the mask i was like well here i'll take that paintball marker instead yeah. i was like, get some pieces here you go and like i had to go and learn that it didn't have all the pieces, but nah, that's another fun story yeah. of trying to put one together. But <laughs> after going to do that, we're sitting around and he's like, well, let's just go try and shoot it. And he goes and shoots his carnivore and it literally pulls the trigger and the gun shakes so much that it continues to shoot. So you could hold it. Oh, it start shooting. <laughs> so it was like, OK, got to take it completely apart because we didn't know anything back then. We were just kind of like, oh, it's a paintball marker. Yeah. yeah. And, and there were there weren't gun techs out there. There weren't people that were posting stuff on YouTube and such. It was a yeah. guy you had to hire from the company. 
to give you advice about what you're working on. Yeah. Or I'm assuming paying somebody at an actual shop or something to like take the thing apart. And if, if you're in high school and you're getting your stuff by trading it with people because I don't have very much money, I'm assuming you're just like, well, we got to figure out how to fix this thing on our own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was only one guy and that was Joe. And like he he would work on paintball markers. But back then, he parts were not cheap. You had to make stuff yeah. because stuff that you couldn't get. There's no Amazon. You can't just overnight something or no. like even, you know, any of the other websites, too. I mean, I remember that this is you're talking back in what early 2000s oh four oh five something like that yeah so before like the internet it was so easy to just be like like you said you can type in google find a reddit page or a thread or something and say oh this guy had the same problem he ordered this part it showed up in two days and here's a video on how to take this thing apart replace it and put it all back together completely and there was none of that <laughs> no. you know it's like the whole car mechanic thing like there's so much more out there now than there ever has yeah because like otherwise yeah, you're, you're you're looking at parts. I mean, oh, there are paintball markers at the place I work that are literally pieces of other things fixed together to make a paintball marker because they just they they figured out certain stuff that would yeah. work. People didn't make stuff back then, so there's barrel attachments and stuff that are like built that I've never seen that don't have threads that that are checkable, and it's just it's mind boggling seeing. It's like okay. Where did they come up with this? How did they come up with this? And then someone was like, I think I can figure out what this like. There's a, literally a paintball marker at Extreme that that has a a nail that was filed down. And because it's this perfect diameter, it's what it is. And it's that little pin. Yeah. It shoots faster, which makes no sense. <laughs> and it, it boggles me. Yeah. And it, it's so, just and like, somebody figured this out probably from a lot of YouTube and Reddit videos or something. Yes, right? Like, yes. Trying to figure out what actually is going to work, what isn't going to work, and then blowing things up in process. Yeah. Oh. So, so then you were playing, you played paintball through i mean i guess till now still right like you're still no, I, in it or so i took a break i left in 2008 i originally was sponsored by extreme sal got us gear and stuff it so what is, cool. what is like being sponsored mean like is it like... so we had our names on our jerseys we had gear from the actual field and it was all one set of gear like yeah we were all you know black and blue and then do they you you we were sign up for like tournaments or like yeah. are they just like are they like one shot things? Are they like multi round tournaments? Like how does it how does it work? It's like four or five hours. They call round robin sometimes. Sometimes it's just like a bracket system. And other times you literally fight every team to see who's really going to be good yeah. or bad. And other times it's like we'd show up, we'd have a team, we'd play on Saturday or play on Sunday, but then yeah. you'd work on Saturday and or work on Sunday, whatever it would work. <laughs> because then that would be able to trade for your paint and everything. Because paint yeah. was super expensive back in the day. It was somewhere like $70, $80 a case. Like if you're sponsored, do they like provide you with that? Or? Yes. Yeah. They took, we got discounts. So it was super nice. And like professional people or like I would say division five and above usually get paint discounts and stuff where it's just all of a sudden you get a pallet of paint for your team and it's you know, a third of the price of what you'd pay per case. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're helping them and you get that paint deal and it's nice. Most of the time we never had that, but we didn't play many <laughs> tournaments. We played, I think two and like it was fun, it was crazy. We played a lot of different styles of paintball because you, you see paintball now compared to paintball back in the two thousands to nineties. People did different things. It was you know a CO two tank like cartridge. Yeah, people used to fake gas so it sounded like you were out and you were changing, and that person would run and try and bunker you. And that apparently was straight up, or the guy would he would do it real quick and sound like make sure it sounded like he was out. Yeah, and then go and then shoot him as he was coming through. And like the playing mind games like that doesn't really exist anymore but no, it's a lot more like straightforward of like yeah shooting gunning playing tactics trying to bait your opponent to look out a certain way while you're going around the other way or something like yeah. that and now there's a team that plays an extreme that still does goofy stuff like that they're now here's my question do you yeah. think does any of that have to do like from video games over the years mm -hmm. of like do you think that people playing a lot of these like first person shooter games has change the way that like paintballers think on the field now like is there like a i've been playing call of duty for 11 years growing up and now i'm on paintball and like i think because i've done this in call of duty i think it's gonna work whenever i'm on the paintball field. normally i would say no but i, I i've seen this yes yeah i 100 think that there's people that have taken stuff from that because like on turf you can slide really far yeah. in other spots there's heavy grass so you can move and i've watched multiple people slide and get away with stuff that shouldn't work. It is not paintball <laughs> theory in any manner. Yeah. And yet they they got away with it. And they're in their bunker. And they're perfectly fine. They're looking checking themselves. No shots. And I'm like, that doesn't work. <laughs> How did you just do this? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I did it on Fortnite. 
Yeah. <laughs> or Call of Duty, the slide thing where, yeah. he, where you slide and then you jump up or like that. Yeah. And like, dude literally slid and then jumped and like Superman slid into a bunker and got behind it. And the one guy standing next to me is like, that, that's not supposed to work. Yeah. Why did that work? Yeah. Like, you can't do that. And I was like, I, I, I humor it. Yeah. Same as like the, the sneaking around kind of thing. All right. I have a, I have a guy that's, I would consider him to be like a, a Naruto character where he's just super sneaky. He literally gets in the shadow of like a bunker. Yeah. And is when you look and you check him again, he's already another bunker closer <laughs> to you. And he's looking out the other direction with a paintball gun staring at yeah. you. Like multiple times I played him and he's gotten me and it's just blown my mind how fast he is. Well, I watched him do it to a person less, not last week, two weekends ago. And he literally snuck between the bunkers to where this kid looked out, saw him, brought himself on the other side. So like a bunker about this big. And yeah. he was already in front of him going and sliding on the right oh side of him God. to shoot him. <laughs> and like, it was within 10 feet and he just goes, bang, you're dead. But like, it was that moment of being like, this is a video game. This is ridiculous. I don't understand why this is it's, totally a okay. ninja in real life. Yes. <laughs> and like, I, when he snuck up on me, I couldn't believe him. He just touches me and he just goes, you're dead. And I was just like, he was so that if, like is there ones where like you don't even have to shoot them like where you just kinda... so like sometimes when you're playing I, I would consider like an advanced game like if i'm playing someone that i know that can play i'm not worried about getting shot too close or whatever because a i'm a ref b it's just how that goes and yeah. like the way sometimes you do is if you can touch the opposing team's bunker like a one-on-one -on -one, if i can go and touch your bunker and knock on your bunker you're dead because that means i got to you without you realizing and no one really likes that yeah. but i've had people also come up to me and they come behind me in a big game or in a, in a normal game and go and hey they breached the 10-foot rule and they're like hey, hey you're dead and like i'm a ref but i'm totally fine with you doing that i'm totally <laughs> cool cool with that yeah it's like i knew that he got behind me and i heard steps but i didn't think that there was really a guy at my base and like i look and he's just like hey hey you're dead and i'm like thank you i'm, I'm leaving <laughs> oh jeez oh, oh, okay yeah, yeah you're right there <laughs> and there's lots of spots where it gets really sketchy like that where it's like you, you turn a corner and someone's right there and i get it it's hard to be like oh okay. is it one where like they both you ever have it like where you both spook each other where, like you both go around the corner at the same time and you're just like oh yeah. gosh like there's a face right in front of my face and we both didn't expect it like, yeah shipyard is <laughs> is notorious for it because there's a shipping container so you can hear people's feet walking through but then there's points where you don't hear anything. And one guy has figured out if you slide your feet across, you don't necessarily make a lot of noise. And I'm like, okay, but you can still hear him above. Well, he's down below and he got like gun to gun with somebody. Little kid turned, looked in and he was looking out and they were just like, Ooh, and they both didn't shoot each other. And I was just like, run away, run away from each other. And they did. And I was just like, yes, because usually someone, someone in those moments gets shot really close. And like getting shot within 10 feet hurts getting shot within a foot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, how much like you get in like normal match? Are you walking away like you got a few welts, things like that. Like how to like, I mean, so if your body's flexed and like you're you're shooting your paintball marker and it hits here, here, usually it's not going to bruise too much. But like if you're standing and you're not paying attention and someone hits you and like here or here and you're not flexed or something or you're not aware of it, it seems to bruise more. I don't know why it just hits. And then because when the paintball hits, it flattens out the, the, the blood vessels of it. And so like that's what the spray is, is that the blood vessels don't and squished it all out yeah he's so gonna rub it and it'll feel better but most of the time you'll end up with scars if you get shoot, shot too close oh man i mean because yeah mm, oh, i mean in 200 feet per second yeah yeah those are or 280 feet per <laughs> second 200 miles an hour yeah and so yeah it's not so bad but yeah so so you're playing these tournaments you said you left in 2007 eight eight yeah i went okay. to florida and did dumb stuff and I came back from Florida and then I kind of started picking up this whole thing again. And it was like, I want to go out and hang out with my buddies. I had friends here a long time ago and I kind of had dropped them because I was doing dumb stuff and trying to figure out my own life. And then I came back and figured out what I should have been doing. Still no. Yeah. But then I, I got into the, like the party rave scene and I went to a show and it was the world's largest paint party at Grizzly Stadium. And a buddy of mine was talking about it and it was like, super cool. What is the, what is paint party? Like, I mean, it, it is where they have like, and and this is the craziest thing. Paint? I'm a paintballer. Like, sign me up. <laughs> Humor me. It's almost like that, but they have like these giant cannons. They have those pull things where you can spray, spray paint. Oh, but it's all yeah. like edible paint. It was like the world's largest paint party, day glow, but now it's called Life in Color. Because oh yeah, I know. I, okay, I've done. Actually, I did a 5K by like the Color Run, mm -hmm. and I think it's sponsored by the same people. Yes. And it was the same way as like as you're running through, it's like. It's like powdered paint and it's also like liquid paint that they were doing. Like you'd get through a certain part and like you just get hit with like a sack of like powdered paint. And since you were sweating, like oh. it would just spread on you kind of deal. But I remember doing that. So like, but I'm guessing instead of 
5K miserable running. This was partying on a baseball field with paint cannons shooting towards you. (laughs) There being a giant tarp. So you're just sliding around in paint. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting. And after that, it was just like this. This is this is insane. And that's when I started getting like a feeling of groove. And that's like whenever me and my buddies started figuring out this whole flow thing. My buddy came to me with poi and was like, hey, I, I this is what my buddy showed me. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what that is, but it looks super cool. Yeah. And then I got into being a Glover and like that's, you know, you read to the whole. Uh, oh, my God. With the, the lights on the fingertips. Yeah. Okay. And so like I, I started exactly doing all that yeah. and started getting into that. And that became a, a big thing. And then we all started figuring out props and such. And I was still just using gloves like I could do poi. My buddy Brian and Adam couldn't. They, they blew me away. So it's poi then. Uh, it's the two handles with like a, a leash and then like a weighted end. But usually they have like glow lights in them or something, fire heads, you know, soaking fuel and light on fire. Yeah. And so like th- we usually did glow and it came around to where I was like, I have gloves. It's not necessarily as fun as what they can see they're doing. And it's not symmetrical. I can't. It's, and it's not as I'm guessing big too. like those things since like they're they're extended away from the body. Like it's a much bigger kind of show than just on a glove kind of deal. Right. Yes. And like you're, you're only you're limited when it's your gloves and like with points and extension of yourself. Well, then I went to this boogie nights event at the caves down in festus and like christmas city caves and yeah i see this guy and he's spinning this thing and it's going back and forth and it's on fire but it's inside the 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 cave down in this like little corner and like it's a fire circle and everything i have never really seen these fire circles I, i've been to a couple things but yeah. oh, whatever <laughs> and like he then is like using this rope dart and it's going back and forth and he's wrapping around himself and i'm like whatever that is I want to do that. I want to do that. Awesome. And so my buddy hands me a rope with a hacky sack attached to it and goes, this is what the central idea is. And I was like, like you just makeshift one. Yes. A hundred percent. And then I had no idea about doing it. I I figured it out certain stuff. And then I figured out like how to actually do it and use a really thick cord rope. And then I went into another party out in the middle of Pacific. And I met a buddy who I met a long time ago at a festival and he did rope dog. And I didn't know that he did rope dart so proficiently. And I had just picked up rope dart to the point where I was like figuring things out pretty heftily. And it was just like, okay, I made this. And he shows me all the stuff he built. He built a bracelet, built this rope to it. And he built his entire leash, everything. And I was just like, I want to know this. So he taught me all this. Yeah. And like, that's the, still the same bracelet that attached to me. That way that doesn't slip off. It so can't. Th- like, are a lot of these pieces, like, are they a lot handmade kind of things? Or was it just like back when you were first learning it, it was like there was no way to just buy this stuff online. So you, if you wanted to do it kind of a little bit, it was a little bit of both because the flow scene was just starting to blow up in 2014. That's whenever I got into the whole thing in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Cause that's whenever like there were gloves out there. There were lots of props. There were certain pixel poi that were coming out to where you can make your own shapes and pictures and such. Yeah. But there wasn't anything like hardcore built. And when rope darters when going through all these forums and all this different stuff, watching all this crazy stuff go they complained about all these flow props and glow props being destroyed by rope darters because we were too hard on them and yeah. like this guy built this prop and he's like it doesn't break he used a cotton rope and he used this crazy sealing method where it, it literally is becomes fire retardant like it will not burn i can take a fire or flame to my rope and i can hold it there and it'll get black and i can move it and i can get the char off and pull off and still good because of all the grime the dirt and then the wax yeah he uses a wax sealing style to where you Drops it onto it, pulls on it, plays with it for like a week, and then you just tension it. And then it's fire proof huh. because of the wax and the cotton. Because cotton is fire resistant up to seven seconds, up to like 300 degrees. Yeah. So using that and that wax. With the wax, combination of the two. Yeah. And it doesn't drip. It doesn't melt. It doesn't break. It just, it sets so hard. It's like a rock. And like, that's, that's something that I learned. And like, when he taught me that, I was like, this is not really going to happen. I've never had to deal with anything crazy blown up, falling off or anything like that. It's just, it's been a really interesting setup. I guess if you're like swinging things around where the end of it is on fire, you want to make sure nothing falls off or yes, or flies or, <laughs> yeah, or, 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 snaps. or shatters. And <laughs> yes. And that's another thing where people have run into where they're spinning a prop on fire and they'll crash it into the ground and their head that's not made properly that because you have to use Kevlar thread to be able to set it completely because it's Kevlar folded over itself. Okay. And you use thread to be able to go through it to where it's all flame a bowl. Yeah. It's a wick. But when it hits, if it unravels, you you have a you know, giant disaster. All that soaking, all that fuel in the middle is now out. You have a Molotov cocktail yeah. that you just smacked on the ground really hard in front of people. Yes. And hopefully it's <laughs> only on the ground and not like because 
there's been horror stories about people using them and then it goes and that firehead just continues onto the crowd like and when it does finally hit in the middle of a crowd or somebody or so, yeah oh man or yeah. even if it doesn't break that's that's yeah vicious and so yeah we you were doing this locally then like was this just kind of like a hobby thing at first or at, at first 100 was just going to shows having fun goofing off and then went to pacific missouri met these guys ran into them and they're like hey we're a part of a group that goes in the fire performers around here locally and i was like what 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 get, no way get paid for this <laughs> and so we, we, we did it we went on these little bits and things and it was like, okay, this is kind of working out. Oh, it's kind of working out. And then it became, hey, we're going to get sponsored and go do these events because they had didn't, they'd like Flux Infernos did the Fire and Ice show down in New Haven, Missouri. Yeah. And that in the Washington one and a couple others, St. Clair and Gerald. And it was just, it was nonsense. It was, everyone liked it. It was crazy. Everyone couldn't believe it, but it was just, you know. I mean, that's the thing where like, I mean, a person even like me, where if I'm like, a fire performer, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm interested. Like, you know, I'm going to check this out kind of deal. Cause I know even in the past couple of years, I think O'Fallon, they do a, like, like a Halloween event every year. And we've gone there a couple of times to sell some coffee and they have a fire performer. And of course I'm like, well, I got to kind of, I got to peek in and check this out. Like the curiosity, I feel like is just, it's there for people. Right. Like, uh-huh. so I, I could assume like, you guys do these events where it's like a planned thing and selling, you know, tickets to it. Or even if it's just like we're there alongside whatever events going on, the curiosity just has to bring people in. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there's no there's no you can watch it, whatever you want on television, on your phone, on computer, whatever. But when you see it in person, it's a whole nother experience. And like that was something that drew people. We used to do it at random spots at this, you know, river cabin. And then yeah. it became someone was like, hey, man, you should come out and do it this party. And then it became, hey, we're going to we're, we're hiring you for a festival. And then it became, oh, man, you have to show up here. You have to have equipment. You have to have props. <laughs> you have to have all your gear. Yep. Uh, these are the times the bands want this, this and this. And it became like an actual thing. And like we were then hired by multiple f- festivals to go and fire perform. Well. And it was it was pretty crazy. So was this like a full time gig for you or was this like a part time thing still while you, this was all going on? This or is- was it a part time thing that you were? doing full-time i this is a part-time thing i was still doing but i was being a machine operator at that point in time consistently mm-hmm. and it was during the week i just it, it, that's what i kept dreaming about was every weekend i go hang out with my buddies and go spin fire and then it was just like all right we're going to this festival it's gonna be four days we get in day early we get to go hang out with everybody whatever I and mean, it was just like okay i'm taking work off this is the work i want to do i want to go do this and but and you get paid to be at the festival yep and your food was taken care of like it, it was, it was pretty crazy. We had passes to go take showers and get drinks and everything else. There was, there was three meals served every day. It was pretty, it was, it was on yeah, point. I mean, for when you were, I'm assuming what, probably early to mid twenties at this point. Yep. Like what else could you want? Like I'm getting paid to be here. I get to go and actually see these shows that I'm interested in at the same time. Sometimes like part of them. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Spending for, cause like Astral Valley we went to and we performed for multiple cosmic reunions, Sam Jam and a couple others. And like fire performer for beats antique and a couple others was super cool. Like, cause some people didn't want certain stuff and other people really wanted certain stuff. Yeah. And then pe- some people didn't want anything like, <laughs> like, uh, Nako and medicine for the people. He didn't want certain stuff at certain times, which is super cool. Cause it's like, he wants them to be focused on that. And then in, like at a specific time, he wanted something to be lit on fire. And then that would be their performance. Yeah. And it was like, you don't want anything on stage. You want everything off stage. So were these the like boxes. practice things then? Like, or like, did you guys have like cliff notes that they would be like, be like, all right, when this song hits, you need to No. So whenever the band showed up, the people would come and talk to them. And then we would get relayed messages of being like, look, this is what they wanted. This is what they gave us. So they were like, we would know at least a couple hours ahead of time. There was only a couple of people that were like, hey, they're switching this on you right now. You got to get off stage. You got to go over here. You go to the boxes. Yeah. And like, it was like, oh, OK, because most of the time, all of our fire stuff has to be off certain stuff because you can't be around sparks and you know, fire safe. So you keep many, many keep or, sorry, keep good distance away from a lot of stuff. And yeah. People is the other problem is thanks because there's a festival. There's tons of people that are out of their minds. Or running around naked. You know. Safety is probably a big concern for all of this. Yes. Like, and so, like, that's how we figure out how to do certain stuff. You spin off bags and keep make sure that everything can't be tampered with. We'd have someone in a fire safety area. We'd have someone with a, a, a wet towel ready to go all the time. There's a wet towel on my stand ready to go. Like, we're we're ready. We're good. Way, way more intense than I'm just going to a party and doing this for fun. And, yeah, <laughs> and spinning this while I'm just having a good time. Yeah. Does that, like... 
did you does that ever affect you like did you ever go back to parties and you're you're there and you're like all right i can't do this unless i know exactly the set that i need to do this with uh where's my where's my wet towel guy like uh, i need no, a wet towel guy yes yes totally there's been multiple times where it was like my buddy's like hey hey can we go spend in my backyard my son wants to go see it and i was like yeah what do we have? And I was like, yeah, I, I've got a towel. And I'm like, okay, that's all I need. I've got a dip can. I've got all that. Keep it away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that really has changed me on that. For being like, this has to be like this. Or like <laughs> now you watch other things and you can like pick it apart. You're like, you, oh. whether it's the, the, the things they're performing or the way they're set up or the safety measures they have or things like that, where you're watching it and you're just like, these guys are doing it all wrong. Yes. <laughs> or, or like my dad showed me this short little video and he goes, I was at this event and this is this guy came up and started spinning these props and I'm looking at him and I'm going, I'm looking through my phone. I'm like, it's real grainy. I think I know that person. It looks like this person <laughs> X, Y, Z. And then I sure enough, I get to it and he shows me on his iPad and it's sure enough like that. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's O'Hare. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe. Yeah. And it's like, he's sitting there doing the same stuff that he's doing, but then he's doing alternate stuff. Cause like when it comes to poi and certain people, they go really techie. Yeah. As a rope darter, I'm more of like streamline. It's very technical, but it's very pronounced in certain ways. There's almost stuff like off mind, like almost like a glitch hop kind of style of mentality when you come to spinning props to where yeah. it's more of like meeting your mind's optical illusion compared to watching something that's really pretty and everything. Yeah. And like that's something that I consistently see through a lot of people that they want to be more techy than be flowy and seeing on something like that. You can I as I guess I'm experienced flow prop. Yeah. You've, they, you've watched enough of this. You've done it enough yourself. Yeah. And like there's stuff where it's like, ah, I know that they are messing up, but it, to everybody else, it looks totally fine. And yeah. like, I've, I've seen videos of me and I'm like, that's a mess up. That's a mess up. That's a mess up. And they're like, that looks great. And I'm like, yeah. And ironically, this has been like a ongoing thing that we talked about even. So Jordan, a musician we had on earlier too, he was talking about his performances and I, you know, he's like, I'll do these performances. And I'm like, I screwed up here, 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 here. And I'm like, I've, I'm, I've been to some of those. Like, you've done them here at the cafe. I'm like, I don't hear anything. And he's like, no, but I know. And I'm like, is that how you are too? Like, where a crowd would never even notice it. And you're just like, at the end of it, you're like, oh, man, like, I should have done this differently. Or like, I screwed up this piece of this. And like, yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> because it's like, when I light my prop on fire, it's, it's, I always joke about this at paintball. Everyone has a plan. Three, two, one, go, go, go. But plans out the door. Everyone's scrambling, trying not to die. And like, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm getting ready to do it. I light my prop and I'm just flowing. I forget about what I'm supposed to do and what I messed up last time. And then I'll go back through and I do a, a specific like stall kick kind of thing. Yeah. And when I do that, I notice every time that I do a certain stall in a certain fashion and it looks super suave. Well, it's super raw. And like, that's what I realized <laughs> that my body eventually turned and was doing it opposite and then was doing it like this. And I was just like, no, but on camera, it looks super suave. And it's just like, so I know it's wrong. Yeah. Do I go back and correct it to where it looks more techie or am I just going to just leave it be? And it's like, I finally figured out how to kind of alter it a little bit last October when I was spinning and it was just like, like meet, meeting in the middle kind of deal. Is it like, yes. Cause it's like, I, I, I'm not as agile as I used to be. I, I'm 35. <laughs> I'm not 27. Yeah. And it's come to a point where I'm like, Oh, Oh, that doesn't move. Oh, okay. All right. And then like, cause my buddy, Matt, he likes to record and put it on there. Cause he doesn't get to spend very often. And this is like a big event for him for every you know October we go and spend an extreme every Friday and Saturday. And it's super, you know, just fun. Yeah. And man, he goes and records all of it and I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> oh, that looks so bad. I'm not paying attention. Oh, that's not. And he's like, dude, that looks fine. And then and he's like, yeah, so I screwed that up and I screwed it up and I'm like, I can see that. But in the same sense, it's so smooth. It's kind of just kind yeah, of like, you, you watch some, if it was me watching it, I wouldn't notice it at all kind of deal. Right. Yeah. So, it's, so it's super minute, but to, to, if you know, yeah, you know, it's like, ah, and, and so, it reminds me so much. How long? I mean, how long were you doing this? This for performing? Twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think my my last festival I went to was Cosmic Reunion twenty seventeen, and yeah. that was the last time I fire performed there. I think I tried to do. I see you looking over there. Is this when you met your wife? Right at the end of this? Oh, or... actually, I was with her at that Cosmic Reunion, and so <laughs> it was kind of like I think that's the last festival I went to, and then we went to the Ice Carnival that we used to do for Flux Inferno, and that's when I was talking to her a long time ago. I was like, I I've lost the spirit. I'm I'm totally in a different life period. I want to be with this girl instead of trying to be in the fire performance scene and all this. Yeah, and like eventually. I, I just kind of was walking away from it because for how much I want to do it. And there was a lot of drama that originally happened in the very beginning of all everything. And like the group kind of split and then it split further 
Yeah. And so it became a point where it was kind of like, I really want to be a part of this, but I live all the way in Illinois and they all live in Gerald, Missouri. And so, it's so different than I'm assuming when you started years ago, different yes. people, different way the festivals are done. Yeah. Everything. everything. And so in like, it, it was to a point where I was like, yeah, I want to sell. I've been trying to slow down my life and wanted to sell down with a woman. And like, I finally found the right woman. And it became this point of being like, oh, I'm going to go to all these festivals. And it's like, I don't really need to be going to all these festivals. <laughs> I don't really need to be going to all these shows either. You know, I used to go to a bunch of shows, 2720 and everything, Skadium. Yeah. I perform there. And like now, now I, it's I'm, exhausting as you get older. <laughs> you're like, I, you're like, wait, how long does this go for? What time? Okay. I mean, I, I'm good till about nine 30, 10 o'clock. And see, <laughs> that's what fire performing and extreme does. Like I'm, we're there at six set up, ready to go at seven and then sometimes it goes to midnight and it's like i hit this point where like 11 o'clock i'm like are we, fire? Are we still spinning he's like yeah. yeah there's still people waiting in line it's like oh, i'm so not ready for this yeah. i don't have the endurance for this anymore yeah i've been i'm going on my my early 30s now like yeah this is a, <laughs> this is a, this is a chore now yeah as uh my buddy always jokes about he's like you there's no better thing than sleep. There's coffee and sleep because coffee gets you away from sleep but then it gets you closer to sleep later and oh like, yeah <laughs> yeah, go to bed and then you wake up because, you know, as an adult, you know, I've got a five month old. And so sleep is imperative when it comes to anything. And sleep not is coffee, mind. right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you, you need it. You're hoping your baby has it. And yes. And as long as the baby's sleeping and you can enjoy the coffee. Yeah. It should be okay. So, but making, yeah. Right. So then from, from there, I know we, when we first met here at the coffee shop, you were in like the CBD THC business. Is that like, did you immediately make that jump from like fire performing or was there like a whole bunch of like tiny steps in between? So it's like, like a long time. My question is how do you get to that stage? Like, lighting things on fire. Unfortunately, Oh, I guess, I, uh, I guess lighting things on fire. <laughs> well, yeah. So a buddy of mine a long time ago talked to me about how to extract. And I learned certain methods of butane extraction before anything was legal and whatever else, but like it was just doing it at home, screwing around, having fun, figuring things out, let my kitchen on fire. After that, I learned so many different things about chemistry when it came to oils, gases, and igniters. Yeah. So like using a, a cleanser, using grain alcohol was something I used a long time ago. The first infused thing I made was outrageous. And it was a birthday cake that was totally just random things thrown together, put into it, and it was supposed to make it work. And yeah. it was outrageous. <laughs> But like eventually I started making honey and like that was something that I really enjoyed. I didn't understand. But then I met a farmer who really, really is enthusiastic about honey and I started getting into it. And I started finding all these different places of honey and I started doing these RSO things where, you know, you decarb, take your things, you decarb it, you put it into the freezer with alcohol and then you, you know, steep it off and extract it. And like that so was getting just into some sciencey stuff right here though. Oh yes, a lot. And then <laughs> figuring out certain oils for them to bind to. And then like that's 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 where I started going to. So like sugar, sugar shouldn't be able to now is this THC C B D stuff? Oh, like, this is all THC yeah. before before everything was proper. Yeah. And like and this is in my house and I'm doing all these batches and I would take them to places and have people sample and I need them. And eventually we came to a point where it was like a buddy of mine came to me because I bought a bunch of his wine and my fire performing buddies were like there's wine. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there is. We should go get it because I, I, this is my buddy from high school that my brother knew. Yeah. And so it was kind of like that random moment of being like, hey, hey, so like I do this for a living and I, I, you make things. And I was like, yeah, you make things too. You're like, yeah, I've run into a problem. I'm trying to figure out X and Y to try and make, you know, like this private batch. And I was like, oh, I deal with honey. I think we can make a meme like that. And it became this, hey, do you, do, you, do you want a job? Do you want to be able to do something? And I was like, I don't know. I've never really thought about doing yeah. like this. And then and, it kind of just. So like just start. So you said it, he was a, a wine guy. Yeah. That yep. was playing around with. In, yeah. With, in, yeah. With wine. But he was making salves at that point. Okay. And so he had built two salves for himself because no other company could make something. His skin wasn't hydrating. So he knew enough about, I guess, horticulture and, and essential oil styles where he was like, oh. This will make it proper. And so he built it for himself. Yeah. He started using it and other people started liking it. And that's how he got into it. And then we were trying to figure out how to order CBD because that's when I got pulled into it. And it was just yeah. like, okay, all right, how are we going to do this? Where are we going to get it from? Because this is back before, like right as it got not worried about in 2017, 2018, where everyone yeah. was like, CBD's fine. Across yeah. Everywhere. Is that when like the CBD craze kind of really started to blow up? Because yes. I, I don't remember exactly when it happened. But I remember it happening like yeah. every all of a sudden, like CBD was that that was everywhere. 
you you know you turn on the news and it was talking about CBD. You go on Facebook and everyone's talking about CBD. Like yeah, down to paintballers making water CBD. Yes. So yeah, and so like 2016, no, 2015 to 2017, I think is when that blow up was. That's when I met my wife, and that's when I was really starting to pay attention to it. That's when I was starting to get into it. Yeah, and then we were starting to order these. Ordering CBD a long time ago was very funky. There was points where it was totally, completely fine, safe. People tested it. And there was other stuff where it was companies that didn't exactly know what they were doing <laughs> or something because people were eventually like finding out that this and that were hot and like you couldn't, you know, absorb they're this. Not, they're not coming from the proper. Yeah. Or they weren't stripped properly, which means that they are not an isolate. They're an isolate with other fats attached to it. So that means that there's THC attached uh, to CBD. Okay. Then apparently there was a huge Wild West moment where there was only. Point zero zero three percent, and that didn't really happen. It was just kind of like nobody but, was actually testing it. It yeah. was like this is what it's supposed to be, but and no one could really say that it really was. Yeah. So they were just kind of yeah. And so like that's when twenty eighteen happened, and everyone started cracking down on it. That's when we ordered through a different company, and that one company was like, "Hey, we've missed your business," and it was like, "You're charging us five times the amount for something that unfortunately I don't think is very good, but we'll, we'll humor you." Yeah, and we ordered it again. It was. It was not very good. And we're like, okay, we can't do this anymore. And like, we then went to another company. This company would, instead of charging almost like four to $5 for a gram of CBD isolate was down in the, the, the dollar range. And it was just like this, how, and he talked to us about it and he described certain stuff and it was just like, okay, all right, I'm here on this. And from then we started building all these crazy parts and salves. And like he, he had the three salves built on and then it became figuring out what is really going to affect his body. And that's when he started figuring out how to really hydrate his skin. And that's whenever figuring out the whole MCT thing. So you were you were explaining these salves to me. You you guys started with like the three basic ones, right? Started, yeah, started with the body butter. So body butter, which is just like your like top like like epidermis. a moisturizer. Is that what that is? Like your your top skin coat of like moisturizing just that top skin coat. Correct? Yes, with like, no essential oils. It's just it's truly hydrating. Yeah. And then is this for like like dry skin, eczema, things like that mm-hmm. or Everything down to if you're if you had a, a dry spot on your knuckle or on the back of your your we'll go to the the plumber the back of his knee because yeah. it rubs against everything because he's always pushing himself like this and he talked about how that helped him and I was like really he goes yeah nothing else works I drink all the water I can I drink filtered water I try and apply this and that and then I look at the stuff and like I, that's something I've found in my life I've tried really hard to stay away from a lot of chemicals chemicals are in everything I get it yeah but. Whenever you, you figure out a chemical that really bothers you and you see what it does and it's in almost everything, like disodium EDTA, that's something that is a cheap, quick thing for people to have because it's a chemical that can break through the skin. Uh, you can achieve certain other things with doing it in a much organic version of it. And it blows my mind. But once again, it's all about people yeah. and their money and what they want to do. And so like he just figured out how to do this organically and he started figuring out all these different samples of yeah essential oils and that's whenever he started figuring out the salves which you said so there was the original one which was the the top coat there's a, a second one yep which is which, the chill blue chill blue yeah so what is that does that have something added in it like an icy hot effect or yes. like you hear chill blue and you think is that like a natural kind of icy hot effect? yes like wintergreen lin, lin lang 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 german chamomile and oh uh, there's another one in there oh there's another you'll, one. you'll remember it but yeah and as well, the, the Arnica extract of all of that, yeah. because that whole thing is so anti-inflammatory, no one really understands. And, it's, you know, they're all different pieces. And when you put all those pieces together, they stack on each other. And that affects so much more than what most people think. Because, like, when you're, when you're going through your skin, EDTA is, is absorbing every oil that is in the air, coffee, everything. And so whenever you're using an MCT, it passes through your skin and it's proper. But, you know, that's, that's using certain yeah. ones. So is that is that second level one then? Like, is that for, like, red spots and things like that on your skin too like will that help like like things like rashes or anything like rashes bumps cysts any of that because it will absorb into it and it really does relax and alter it It really does i don't want to say hydrate but (laughs) it it, it really yeah well i mean it's of course it's going to do the same thing that the first one does yes lots more right yes so much more yes and it also relaxes it to a point where the wintergreen really does add this like bio freeze kind of icy hot effect but there's no actual cayenne. That's why the third one, uh, Deep Relief, is so Deep powerful. Relief. I think that's the one that you you gave me some samples of that because I had I was telling you that like my lower back was like real sore, mm-hmm. and that one has even more in it. Is that one that's got some THC in it? As well? it's got no, but what, what it, it has is has the cayenne in it. The, okay, and the, the cayenne 
mixed with the CBD itself or the D8, because that's the one I gave you is that okay. D8. Yeah. That, that is a whole nother thing. Because like mixing all of those essential oils, stacking the CBD on D8, or even just CBD by itself, it penetrates and then the cayenne warms up everything, but it's natural. So it's like, instead of feeling like this coating over your skin, as it's absorbing through your skin, you start to really feel the relaxation run through you. You yeah. feel the tension, the damage, everything kind of starting to alleviate. You got paintballers, they'll slap it on their tight knees. Nanner's one of the guys. He literally told me that it took 50% of his pain away instantly. Like he started slathering oh, yeah. on here. And like, that was the same one I gave you. And that's why I was just like, I want people to hear me. Like, I, I don't know what it really does to everybody, but you know what? I've done enough chemistry. I know enough about essential oils. I know enough about this product. I know what it can do to people. I know it did for me. Yeah. I mean, I've had people tell me the chill blue got rid of two cysts. One person had underneath his arm and he was applying it and it eventually disappeared. I too had someone do the same kind of thing, head on their leg and it disappeared. And it's just like, dang, the stuff like, like you, when you make it, of course, in your brain, you're probably thinking like, this is how these things are supposed to work, but you never know until it happens. Yes. And then hearing stories like that, you're like, wow, that, yep, this is exactly like, it, it's kind of like that moment of like relief and like everything like that of like excitement of like, it's doing what it's supposed to do and other people are noticing it, not just me. Oh, like, yes. Otherwise, there's a trial and error thing where the, the blue or the German chamomile was not blue. It's supposed to be blue. Yeah. And it was almost green. And it was just like, and had a different smell, it had a different flavor, like you, not flavor, eating. It was a, <laughs> it was a completely different smell and it yeah. added a completely different effect to it. It wasn't nearly as strong. And like, that's what we had going through was we've been through like four, four or five different companies trying not to be upset with them, but being like, well, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And then other yeah. people were like, oh, we're so sorry. Please forgive us. And it was just kind of like, yeah. So, so it started with the sad. Did it, did you guys, were you making some other like edibles, things like that on the side? Or is this something that you added in? I mean, I was doing it on the I side. Mean, I mean, yeah. not on the side as in for the business, not on the side for personal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we were making certain treats back and forth of like topicals. And then it became, well, what, what else can we do? And like, we, me and my wife do a lot of old fashioned recipes. Yeah. That was something we started figuring out. Like, okay, well, let's see what this does. And we found out that where as long as it's made and while we're making it, it's fine. Yeah. Perfect. Well, let's just do it. Let's start doing it. Well, it's because, I mean, especially in the, like, as soon as like the 2020s hit and it, like legalization, I'm assuming really opened up and like, I, I think like things became a lot more relaxed on that end, right? Like, was there less scrutiny on the CBD side of things? And then there was more like the THC was legal, but there was like, oh, there's so much more red tape with that. Yeah. Yeah. And like people, people hear D8 and they're, that's one thing. They're like, oh, okay. All right. All right. But then they hear that like THC9 or D9. Yes. And they're like, oh, but CBD, that's something that everyone seems to just be able to be relaxed on. People are making beer with it now. It's all a strange experience. Yeah. I mean, down to people wanting to make, my always thought was broth, like make a broth <laughs> that has CBD in it to where you could make it into a roux or whatever you wanted. Yeah. And it would just be a little bit of light and that'd be perfect. But I mean, once again, I don't know many people are going to be like hopping on these certain stuff. But so, so were you doing more than just like, I mean, I think when you think of the typical things, you always think of like desserts and candies, right? Like, are you going beyond that? Are you so, breaking into, I've always you, joked, you said broths, like what, what else? I mean. So anything that has like a, an oil in it, you could do hot sauces, anything. I've always thought about doing bread. Yeah. It's like making a sandwich or something like that. <laughs> and then a buddy of mine brought up this past weekend about doing deer sausage. And I was like, I never thought about doing deer sausage like yeah. that. That's a very strange thought, but that's a great idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. But once again, I don't, I don't process deer and everything, but, but doing hot sauces, me and a farmer were talking about it and we just tried a little sample batch and it, it worked out pretty well for it just being a hot sauce, like almost theory shouldn't work like that. But yeah. knowing that the capsaicin's an oil and mixing in a CBD isolate with it, or even like a THC isolate and like an MCT with it, it'll always blend because as long as those oils are you know, absorbing. Yeah. So will, will you explain, I guess, as we're talking about these things, because I hear these terminology thrown around a lot, especially on the THC side of things, D8, D9, like like, because you seem to know the science behind these things, mostly, right? Mostly, like, yeah. For like, like, what is, what is the difference in these things? What's like, right, your regular standard THC versus your D8 versus your D9? Are they all the same? Are they different? So what, they're they're pretty close, okay. is what I can say. Is like, because 
D9 is a THC that is an activated or extracted version. Concentrates and waxes and all that is usually D9. Okay. But then there's like THCA, which I think is just a warmed up version at a certain temperature after a certain time. Because D8 is over 300 degrees over an hour and 20 minutes. And that's when it starts from D9 and it inerts itself to D8. So it all starts as basically the same product. It all starts hemp, which is the funny part. Yeah. And then... They when they take that it, it, it depending on how you isolate and yeah and and, and stress the plant out is the best way to okay. describe that because most of it like even if you grow just a regular pot plant and it has THC in it you still could do something to where it you decarb it at three hundred for an hour and ten minutes what do you mean decarb it baking it in a dish after it's broken up okay so like most people put it into a mason jar some people put it into a pyrex. Other people use this whole elaborate system where it's underneath, like with a water pan underneath and where it's vaping it at a certain degree. I mean, there's multiple different methods of what you can do. Yeah. But baking it at 300 degrees in a pan and then letting it go usually for about an hour makes it to be active, Euclid. But 300 is a very interesting temperature because at a certain point, it will take that after 120 minutes. I don't know why it's yeah. even that, but it, it is. It, it, it is. Because I, I figured this out on a just whim. Yeah. That's whenever it inerts. Because I had regular flour. And when and you I say got, inerts, that means? As in there is a, a molecule that destroys itself. And for it to destroy itself, it then recreates itself as actual D8. So it loses the hardcore THC-ness, the, the fuzziness of like getting high. Because 8 is more about euphoria. Because that's like the feeling of getting high is just... The head feeling. Well, yeah. eight is more the emotional like, state or something like that. Yeah, like a, almost like drinking a beer, where it kind of fractures the the, the mind a little bit, yeah. it breaks the edge. But yet, you people have gone t- way too far on it, and that's like the whole thing is like just like nine, eight, anything else, you can go too far. But with eight, if you're just ingesting a little bit of it, you really do become euphoric instead of going over the like the the, the hump. Yeah, but once again. It's like alcohol. You you do too much. There's too much of a, a any good thing. If I eat too many cookies, I'm gonna feel terrible. Like if I have too much coffee, I'm gonna be sweating and jittery. Like there's yeah, you o- overdo anything easily, kind of deal. Yeah. So, so then is this? I know you. Like I said, we were originally met. You were working with Inner Alchemy. Are you still? there are you are you doing some like solo stuff are you like to talk I'm, about things that you're doing like i can't necessarily talk about 100 <laughs> percent. i just I, i'm trying to figure out more about what i'm going to be doing in my life and that's where i'm getting stuck like i'm trying to figure out what i need to do how i need to do yeah. it and this is all like what i want to do but i know that's not fully paying everything i need to do right now so yeah. i'm gonna have to try and figure out how to juggle everything like are you staying in like the THC business? Are you oh, trying to? So I still want to be a part of the sad business. I, you know, I'm still wanting yeah. this whole idea to be able to make treats. I just got to figure out how to be able to do it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really kind of want to stay in it. But I also, like I said, I got to be realistic about what I'm trying to do. And I got to figure you out. Gotta, you got a baby now. You I gotta... <laughs> know. And I can't screw around with it. And I feel so bad about trying to do certain stuff and live this wonderful dream. Well, it's all like it's it's hard uh, because now you're like now it's just not me now it's just not me and my wife now like there's another like we, we got to take care of yep yeah yeah and and that's I think that's the real the struggle of being a, a father I don't even say like being a man being a father <laughs> in this aspect of trying to support you your dream and really care about what you want and then having a a child on yeah. the side because like, there's like there's risks you would take. If it was just you. Yes. But there's na- now there's an added factor and you're like, I can't take this risk if, yep. if there's somebody else relying on me. Yeah. There's I, two people relying on me. Like if I screw up, it's not just, oh, I'm on the street for a little bit till I bounce back. Now it's weird, weird, like everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like, I, I got to make sure that I'm going to do this right. I got to make sure that this yeah. is really where I'm going to go and what I got to focus on. Because I mean, it seems like there's a lot of passion behind like the science and chemistry behind all this stuff. Like seems like you really enjoy kind of like the, almost the lab side of things and like the creation side of things of mm-hmm. like the baking recipes and, and figuring all that out. So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see where that takes you. Cause like, I guess we didn't even get it at, at high school. Like, was there any college science background or anything, or is this all self-taught? Like, were wow. you like, 
I'll hear you. I, I went to my, my career was machining. My yeah. dad was a teacher for Rankin and like I, I, I skipped out of chemistry because it was required by Bubble East as a class. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going into metallurgy. There's no point for this. They were like, oh, OK. And so now I'm completely self-taught after lighting my house on fire and me a couple times. Not really on fire. <laughs> I put it out. The house yeah. didn't burn. But yeah, like things I learned after destroying certain stuff and then figuring out certain things like you, you should definitely be using a crock pot, as I will definitely say that my wife <laughs> saved me on that one. But multiple like times. the way that you talk about it, I mean, it sounds, you know, like a chemist in a way. And it's like this is it seems like things that not the ordinary person just would like gloss over. And I'm sure some people listening to this, I'm like, I'm gonna have to cut in and kind of explain some of these terms and everything for everybody because it's very scientific and kind of deep deep dive right into that so i mean i feel like once you learn that it's something that you, you kind of want to stick with right like, yes yeah <laughs> and like that that's where i'm at it's same with the whole baking thing like i like good food i like real food and that's another whole thing i want to try and eventually cross over yeah but just figuring out how you can do that and you know different laws and everything else yeah. that goes with it because there's a lot of red tape when it comes to anything besides cbd and d8 yeah uh, so and then staying local then plans to be around here locally yes. yeah i want to live in belleville i want to live at least somewhere close to here in this downtown area. Yeah. Like, I know it's crazy here, but then again, I'm in the same boat. My wife and I used to ride bikes to, you know, all the way to 101st Street. And like, I never really got bothered. I know I hear horror stories. I got a buddy that lives off of fifth or off 17th or 15th or whatever. And he tells me terrible things, but I'm like, you know, in the I same mean, sense, I think this is a great place. It's a hometown. You know, I've lived here all my life. Yeah. And like, I, I want to be close to my family. This is where my family's from. Like my brother's has his wife or girlfriend pregnant now. So like there, I'm hoping move back here. Oh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you're, I, you're trying to convince everybody to come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife's family lives all here. Like we're all interconnected. We're all in this like little, I guess, 15 mile radius thing. And so it's like, I, I want to be, I'm a hometown kid and yeah. I want to be here. I want to be able to show that Belleville isn't just a another place on the map it's just an it's a nice place to go it's yeah a place to live i got lots of good memories everything's crazy but the point is that like i want to be here so i want to try to find a place in downtown and find some place where i can ride my bike to the parks downtown at least because that was the thing so you know, i used to live off of uh and near night moves and such and like that was really nice being able to get down here down to the you got the trail that's right like you take mckinley and go a couple blocks you can hop right on the trail and take the metrolink trail all the way to Fairview Heights or yep. all the way out in the cornfields. So, all the way to Eckert's. And yeah. Stuff. And so, so it's like, that's super cool. I'm like, you know, I, I don't see that in many other places. I see a lot in like Florida and other places. Edwardsville is still kind of like that, but I feel it's too metropolis. This yeah, is still cost kind of, of living is very much higher. Like, especially you go to Florida to those kind of places or even just, you know, some of these other places like Edwardsville and O'Fallon and things like that. Like cost of living is up there. Shiloh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but. No, I mean, I'm excited. I want to, I'm, you know, want to follow back and see, of course, you're going to be in here all the time, but anyone listening, I would definitely recommend. I mean, so anything you want to shout out, anything you want to talk about, anything, you know, where people can find you, if people are more interested in like, you know, what you're currently doing about finding out about, you know, the saps, the, the THC CBD products fire performance, things like that. Paintballing. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, if you want to go to any good paintball place, Extreme Paintball Park in Millstadt is phenomenal. Yeah. They update their fields, everything. It's pretty good. We have a new turf field on the front air ball. It's, it's phenomenal. Everyone seems to really like it. Everyone's <laughs> there early. Oh. But uh, yeah, interalchemy.shop, that's that's where our website is. Yeah. And it's got a lot of different packages and deals and everything on it right now. It's all local. The owner is from Belleville. He lives now in Dogtown. Everything yeah. will get to you within 24 hours. It's <laughs> it's super nice. Like yeah. it's pretty pretty interesting to know that someone from here, from Belleville, yeah, made something so organic and yet same kind of thing with the paintball. Like it's so big, so blown up. Everyone knows someone. What's funny thing? And yeah. it's just like everyone's so interconnected with just trying to have a good time and figure that whole thing out. That's why, I like, yeah, hear me. Come out and play paintball on the weekend. Come see stuff. Come goof off. Yeah. Go look at the websites. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. So Ty Tyler Ely, right? Yeah. So yeah, if you go into the paintball shop, just start asking for him. Like, <laughs> but don't show up early because he seems like that is something he's not looking for. Oh, <laughs> I mean, with a kid, I I just I live so not far away, but like I live further away, and it's it's hard yeah. with a kid. I want to sleep in. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh no, I get it. I get it. There's we open at seven a.m. and sometimes there's people 
trying the doors at 6.45 in the morning. I'm like, we're still taking the chairs down. Give me oh, a bit. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. But no, Tyler, thank you so much. It was super awesome. Like I knew bits and pieces of your, you know, background story, but hearing, hearing the whole thing, it's exciting, you know, appreciate you coming in, coming on and doing this with me. And we'll uh, keep an eye out for things that you've got planned in the future. Cause I feel like there's some things in the works that maybe aren't just ready to be public just yet, but are coming down the line. So, but appreciate it very much. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. 